أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولا أقول لكم and he said I do not say to you that عندي خزائن الله that I possess the خزائن of Allah خزائن what are they treasures basically Nuh عليه السلام is saying you know me oh my people I am not a liar I am not pretending before you I don't say that I own the riches of this world I don't say that I own the khazain of Allah. Wala and nor a'lamul ghayba. I know the unseen. Meaning, I don't claim to be a know-it-all. I'm limited in my knowledge. Wala aqulu inni malak. Nor do I say that indeed I am an angel. Meaning, I don't claim to be perfect. I am a human being who has limited resources, who has limited knowledge, and who's also imperfect i don't claim that i am an angel wala aqulu and i do not say lilladheena about those people who tazdari a'yunukum tazdari is from the root letters zayraya zari and that means to despise to belittle someone so tazdari it belittles What belittles are yunukum your eyes? Meaning in your eyes, you view them to be very insignificant. Your eyes belittle these people. Who is he talking about? The people whom you look down on. Who is he talking about? The believers. The believers who were poor, the believers who were weak, whom the mala, the disbelievers, they look down on and they said, you send them away, only then we'll come and sit with you. So Nuh salam said, I don't say about these people, about these believers whom you look down on, that لَنْ يُؤْتِيَهُمُ اللَّهُ خَيْرًا That Allah is never going to give them any good. In other words, I'm not a fortune teller. I don't claim to know the unseen. I'm not here to pass judgments on people. That just because they're poor, they will forever be losers. Just because they don't have a high status in society, they will never, ever achieve something great in their life. I don't say that these people whom you look down on, Allah will never give them any good. No, it's quite possible. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will change the course of their destiny. Right now you look down on them. Tomorrow they may be very great. And do we see such examples? People who come from a very humble background, but what happens? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them authority and fame and so much. Think about Yusuf alayhi salam. Was he not brought in Egypt as a slave? Did he not end up in the prison for so long? But then what happened? He became the financial minister of Egypt. But what happens? We just look down on people. Oh, she is so ugly, she's never going to get married. This is what we think. We assume about others. And we know what we think about such things in the back of our heads. We think, oh, who could love her? She's so short, who's ever going to appreciate her? She doesn't even know how to talk properly. She's never going to make it to university. This person is struggling with their homework. They're never going to make it through high school. We judge people a lot. We become very judgmental. We see someone not wearing a hijab and we just assume about them. Oh, they must be so sinful. They must be so disobedient. We see somebody who is not praying salah and we think, oh my God, they never pray. They must be so bad. We see someone going out somewhere with their family, and we think, oh, they waste so much money. They're so worldly. We're always passing judgments on people, aren't we? 
assuming about people. They're like this, they're like that, they're like this, they're like that. Based on what? Just their appearance. Or just on the actions that they're committing right now. But who knows? Who knows? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might give them a lot of khair. Umar radiallahu anhu, when he stepped out of his house with the sword, looking for the Prophet ﷺ in order to just kill him, if we saw him at that time, what would we say? Think about it. What would we say about him? Like we say anything about Abu Jahl, or we say anything about Abu Lahab. But didn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give Umar anhu a lot of khair? Didn't his life completely change? Didn't it change completely? We say, you know what? I know, I have a lot of experience. I've dealt with many people. I've gone to many places. I know exactly how people are. What on earth do you know? And unfortunately, this comes with this assumption of righteousness. That the more people think about themselves that they're very righteous, the more judgmental they become of others. The more perfect they think they are. And they claim that they have a lot of knowledge. And generally, perfection is associated with who? Very righteous people. So Nuh salam, he just negates everything over here, says, I don't say I own the riches of this world. I don't say I know the knowledge of the unseen. I don't say that I am perfect, I'm an angel. Nor do I say about the people whom you look down on, that Allah is never going to give them any good. I don't claim anything like that. The reality is, the fact is that Allahu a'lamu, Allah best knows bima fi anfusihim, with that which is in them. Meaning with that which is in their hearts. Allah knows the reality of the people's hearts. He knows their intentions. He knows their desires. He knows what they like, what they dislike, what they seek. He knows them inside out. And if I were to pass judgments on people and assume things about them, inni idha lamina zalimin. Indeed, surely I would be of the wrongdoers. I would be a wrongdoer if I were to say anything like this. So, what's the lesson in this ayah for us? No matter how much knowledge you may have, always remember, always remember what you have limited knowledge. No matter what good you are doing. Always remember you're also very sinful. No matter how many people you've dealt with and how much you know people, never be judgmental about them. Never ever judge the intentions of people, the motives of people. Allah knows the reality and He is the judge. So leave this matter to Him. Your job is what? Just to convey. Just to pass on the message. Qalu, they said, Ya Nuhu, O Nuh. قَدْ جَادَلْتَنَا In fact, you have disputed with us. جَادَلْتَ is from Jidal. What is Jidal? A debate. Where there is a lot of back and forth. They said, O Nuh, you have argued with us. فَأَكْثَرْتَ جِدَالَنَا And you have been frequent in disputing with us. Meaning, stop, enough. We don't want to hear you anymore. We've had enough of what you have to say. Did Nuh really debate with them? Did he really argue with them? Was that an argument? Think about it. They had certain objections. They had allegations. And what was he doing? Just responding. I mean, think about it. Somebody is 
you know, saying something to you, you have to respond. So he responded. And he neither debated nor did he argue. He just responded to their objections. What did the people say? When they were given sound proof that made them quiet, they said, you know what, stop arguing. It's like as if they were trying to make him feel bad. And this is very common. That sometimes a person is trying to say something good to the other. He's not arguing. But what do people say? Stop lecturing me. Was that really a lecture? Was that an hour-long lecture or 30-second advice? Was that a five-minute conversation or an hour-and-a-half class? No. But what do people say? Stop lecturing me. And as a result, the person who's speaking, he feels bad immediately. So this is exactly what they did. فَأَكْثَرْتَ جِدَالَنَا And then they mocked at him. They said, فَأْتِنَا So go ahead and bring. Bring to us. بِمَا تَعِدُنَا That which you threaten us with. إِن كُنْتَ مِنَ الصَّادِقِينَ If you are of the truthful ones. Meaning if you're really truthful, that if we disbelieve, then the punishment of Allah will come. Okay, fine. Go ahead and bring it. We don't want to believe. We disbelieve in you. We disbelieve in your message. We don't want to hear you anymore. Go ahead and bring the punishment. Qala, Nuh said, Innama yatikum. Indeed, he will bring it to you. Be he with it. Allahu Allah. Who will bring it to you? Allah will bring the punishment to you, meaning he will send it to you. In sha'a. If he wills. Not if I will, but if he wills. In other words, it's not up to me. I have been told to convey the message to you and at the end of the day, he will decide because he is the judge. He knows the intentions of people. He judges people for their actions. And he will also decide if and when to send the punishment. It's not up to me. وَمَا أَنْتُمْ بِمُعْجِزِينَ And you will not at all be able to cause failure to him. Meaning you cannot escape it then. When the punishment comes, realize you will not be able to escape it. What do we learn from the answer of Nuh salam? Firstly, he said to them, nothing is in my control. I don't claim to be a know-it-all. I don't claim to have absolute power. I'm only a person who's conveying the message to you. He said it. And now this answer, it shows. He demonstrated it also. That the bringing of punishment is not in my control. It's up to Allah to decide. I'm only a servant. Now from all of these ayat, what do we learn about the prophets of Allah? Who were they? Servants of Allah. They were human beings who didn't have any control over the punishment or reward of an individual, who did not have any authority to make judgments on people, who didn't have any authority like that. I was thinking that there's a, a hint of well-wishing from Prophet Nuh um, that if we were in a similar situation, we would just lash out on, this, on the person and say like, you know what, do whatever you want and the punishment will come on you. But I see here that um, he still had the hope that maybe they'll believe in the future. Yes. So, um, yes, that he didn't lash out on them and he still kind of warned them. Even when they were mocking at him, he still warned them with the words, وَمَا أَنْتُمْ بِمُعْجِزِينَ it's up to Allah to bring it. But remember that you will not be able to escape them. You will not be able to do anything to defend yourselves at that time. And this shows that he was really sincere to the people. When ego comes in, then what happens? 
then you can't do your work properly. Like you know Ali radiallahu anhu, once in a battle he was about to finish somebody off. And that man, he spat at Ali radiallahu anhu. He spat at him. And Ali radiallahu anhu, he just stopped. He let that man go. And that man's like, what happened? I spat on you and you just left me? And he said that before you spat on me, I was doing what I was doing for the sake of Allah. After you spat on me, I got angry from myself. My ego came in. So I was worried that I might do this for myself. In my defense. So what do we see here? Sincerity. Ego. What does that do? It makes a person insincere. وَلَا يَنْفَعُكُمْ نُصْحِي He said, and my نُصْح, my advice, is not going to benefit you. In أَرَدْتُ Even if I intend, أَرَدْتُ is from irada. Even if I intend, an أَنْصَحَ لَكُمْ That I advise you. Meaning, no matter how much I want to advise you, and no matter how much I try to advise you, None of this sincere advice is going to benefit you. No words will affect you. No matter how much I wish that you listen, no matter how much I want the best for you, no words of mine will have any impact on you. In kan Allahu, if Allah yuridu an yuwiyakum, if Allah intends to let you go astray. What is he saying over here? That if Allah does not open the doors of guidance for you, if Allah does not open the doors of guidance for someone, then no matter what they hear, change will not occur. Change will not happen. Now, what if a person wants to be guided, but Allah doesn't open the doors of guidance for them? Nuh clarifies, "Huwa Rabbukum, He is your Lord. He is your Lord. And if He is so merciful that He created you perfect and whole and beautiful in your body, and He has provided you for your life everything that you need, of course He would also want guidance for you. The fact is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants guidance for people. He certainly offers guidance to people, but it is the actions of people, their disinterest, their aversion, their own sins, that caused the doors of guidance to be closed upon them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, huwa rabbukum, here is your Lord. Come on, if He guided you, how you should eat, how you should drink, how you should walk. Think about it. Did you go to any classes to learn how to walk? Did you enroll in any summer camp to learn how to eat? Yes, your mom, dad may have assisted you, may have helped you a little bit, but could they have explained to you how you're supposed to walk? To drive a car, do you not need lessons or does it come through an intuition? You need to take lessons, right? But when it comes to operating your body, operating your hands, your legs, your movement, do you need any lessons? Do you need any? No. Who gave you this guidance? Who gave you this knowledge? Who gave you this ability? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If He gave you this hidayah so that you can live normally, think about it. Would He not offer guidance to you so that you can live an even better life in the year after? Compare the dunya and the akhirah. What is more important? 
the akhirah. If Allah guided you to a good life in this dunya, would He not guide you to a good life in the akhirah? Of course He would. So why is it that some people, no matter what they hear of guidance, it doesn't affect them? Why? Because they have done something to have those doors closed upon them. إِنْ كَانَ اللَّهُ يُرِيدُ أَنْ يُغْوِيَكُمْ هُوَ رَبُّكُمْ وَإِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ And to him you shall be returned. أَمْ يَقُولُونَ افْتَرَاهُ Or do they say that he has fabricated it? The people of Nuh do they say that Nuh fabricated all of this? Or this ayah can also be understood as a parenthetical sentence. So the listener who's listening to the Prophet ﷺ recite these verses, he is being kind of reminded that do the people say that Muhammad ﷺ has fabricated the story? قُلْ say إِنْ إِفْتَرَيْتُهُ If I have invented it, فَعَلَيَّ إِجْرَامِي Then on me is my ijram. Ijram is from jurm. What does that mean? Crime. Meaning if I have invented it, then the crime is mine. In other words, why do you care? If I am wrong, it's like, you know, if a person is doing something wrong and you stop them and they don't listen to you and they keep going, what do you say? You know what? Leave them, they'll deal with it. They'll suffer themselves. So other people, what are they told? Why do you care? Let them be. If they're doing something wrong, let them be. Forget them. So, he's told to say over here that if you say that I have invented it, فَعَلَيَّ إِجْرَامِي Then on me is my ijram. And I will have to suffer for it. Why do you care? Then leave me to what I'm doing. But also think about it, that وَأَنَا بَرِيءٌ And I am absolved. مِمَّا تُجْرِمُونَ From that which you commit. Meaning the crimes that you commit. In other words, also look at your actions. Aren't you doing ijram? Aren't you associating partners with Allah, which is a crime? Aren't you looking down on people based on their material characteristics and you are biased towards them? You have this pride. Isn't that a kind of ijram? Because you see, many times people will find faults and highlight the mistakes, the errors, the deficiencies of people who take their religion seriously. Like you may have heard many times. Yeah, yeah, I know people who wear hijab. How they speak and how they lie and how they cheat and how they misbehave. Have you heard such comments? Yeah, I know someone who prays five times a day and really you should see the way they talk to their mother. Very disrespectful. I mean, people like to talk about these things. The faults of people who are religious. But at the same time, they forget that there are many people sitting in jails who are not those who pray five times a day, who are not people who wear hijab. But if they want to highlight any faults, any deficiencies, who will they look at? People who are religious. They have this problem, this problem, this problem. So Nuh says, okay, if you have a problem with me, you know what? You don't need to worry because I will suffer for it. But at the same time, look at your own self also. What kind of things are you doing? And always remember, whenever we point at the mistakes of others, we're doing it. Why? Because we are forgetting our own mistakes. Because if we looked at our own mistakes, we wouldn't dare. We would never dare to highlight the faults of others. Never. Never at all. Shaitan makes us forget our mistakes and remember the mistakes of others. Like, you know, if there's a relationship between two people and one is upset with the other, what do they generally say? I did this for them. I did this and this and this. And you know how they treated me? They mistreated me. 
They harmed me in this way, in this way, in this way. And the list goes on and on. You could talk to them for three, four hours and they will just complain, complain, complain. And if you ask the other person, they will say the exact same thing about the other. So who's at fault? Both are at fault. But what do we generally think? We are perfect. Others have deficiencies and problems within them. So Nuh is told to remind people, Muhammad also is told to remind people, that why are you concerned about me so much? Think about what you're doing. Look at your own self in the mirror. Look at the kind of actions that you're committing. And this is important to remember in every situation, in every relationship. Whenever you get bothered and irritated by the actions of somebody, whether they are your children, or your parents, or your siblings, or your neighbors, or your co-workers, or your friends, or whoever they are, something's bothering you, always ask yourself, I do this too. Don't I do it? Of course I do it. So why is it that when they're doing it, it's such a problem? And when I do it, it's no big deal. I am justified, but they're not. It doesn't mean that sin is okay. It doesn't mean that oppressing other people is okay. It's not okay, whether you're doing it or somebody else is doing it. But the thing is, when noticing the faults of others, don't forget yours. When noticing the imperfections of others, don't forget that you are also imperfect. Always remember that you are also a human being and you also possess many, many imperfections. And the thing is that real change, real change, how does that happen? When each individual thinks about changing himself. Because remember, we are people, right? We socialize, we interact with others. How we behave, it has an impact on other people. And it will have an impact on how they will behave with us. If you yell at somebody, raise your voice, automatically what's going to happen? Their voice is also going to be raised. It's like you know when children are yelling and you start yelling also, it's going to become a war. But if they're yelling and you calm down and you talk softly, you'll be amazed. Even they will start talking softly. You'll be amazed. Any person. You change yourself, they will also change. But what do we want? They should change first. Then I will change. But the problem is they haven't even realized it's a mistake. You've realized, so you change. When you will change, they will also do it. So he's told to say, And it was revealed to Nuh alayhi salam. Annahu that indeed he, لَن يُؤْمِنَ مِنْ قَوْمِكَ He will never believe from your people. Meaning now, no one from your nation is going to believe. إِلَّا except مَنْ قَدْ آمَنْ Those who have already believed. Those who have already believed up to this point, yes, they will remain believers. However, those who have not believed yet, give up hope. Give up hope. They're not going to change now. They're not going to listen. فَلَا تَبْتَئِسْ بِمَا كَانُوا يَفْعَلُونَ So do not be distressed by what they have been doing. فَلَا تَبْتَئِسْ تَبْتَئِسْ is from the root letters. بَا هَمْزَ سِينَ إبتئاس. إبتئاس is to be distressed. It's basically to find something displeasing, upsetting, and unbearable. And when you come across such things that make you upset, and it reaches the point where it's unbearable for you, what happens? You're all smiles? 
How are you? Sad, upset, angry, frustrated, disappointed, distressed. So this is ibtiyas. Nuh alayhi salam is told, فَلَا تَبْتَئِسْ بِمَا كَانُوا يَفْعَلُونَ Now don't grieve over what these people have been doing and what they're doing now. Move on from them. Why move on from them? Because these people are not going to believe now. Now the chapter has to be closed. Now we have to move on. This ayah, what does it mean? What is Nuh salam being told basically? Now wait for the punishment. You've conveyed the message to the people for a very long time. You've done everything you could. Now they don't want to change. So their term is going to come to an end. And now you don't be grieved. You don't be extremely sad. Why? Firstly, think about it. Nuh salam is being told by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't be distressed. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew that Nuh salam would be distressed. He would be sad. Why would he be sad? Shouldn't he be happy? Think about it. If someone has bothered you for nine days, and finally, they suffer their consequences, are you sad or are you happy? You're happy. It's like if somebody's been tailgating you for ten minutes, and then they're speeding and they're bothering you, and you're nervous, and then finally you see that they're pulled over by the police, how will you feel? Alhamdulillah. Finally. But this is after how many minutes? Just 10 minutes. You're happy that they're suffering. Nuh was preaching for how long? 9 minutes? How long? 950 years. Yet when he is told at the end of this term that now your people are going to be punished, he was going to be very sad. The Prophet when he would think about this, that if my people don't believe, they'll be punished, he would get extremely worried. Extremely worried. This is one of the reasons why he was told to pray in the night in order to calm down. Because otherwise he would be distressed, he would be very, very upset. What does it show? What does this teach us about the prophets of Allah? What characteristic did they possess? They were very well wishing. They wanted the best for people. Good. What else do we learn about the prophets of Allah? They were very soft-hearted. Very soft-hearted. You see, a person who doesn't have a soft heart, do they cry? Easily? No. Not at all. Do they feel for others? No. But a person who has a soft heart, they hear something sad, descriptive, and they start crying. They'll watch Lion King and they'll just start crying. And they will be sobbing. Why? Soft heart. And others are laughing at them. Come on, it's a cartoon. It's only a, you know, a lion that died. What's the big deal? Lions die all the time. So what? But what's going to happen? This person is going to be crying and crying and they might go and hide themselves in the washroom. What is that a sign of? Soft-heartedness. So the prophets of Allah, they were very, very soft-hearted. And is there a difference between a soft-hearted person and a hard-hearted person? Or you can say like a really tough person. Is there a difference in how they deal with people? How? What kind of difference is there? When a person is soft-hearted, he's a lot more caring. He's a lot more forgiving. 
he deals with people very nicely and on the other hand a hard-hearted person if he sees a little bit of disobedience he just lashes out on people even little children babies babies i remember once i saw this woman in a masjid her baby was crying she was so upset she started slapping the baby and i was just shocked i mean okay if it's a toddler i can understand a little bit maybe but a baby a baby i mean the crying of a baby makes you cry right it makes you wonder what's wrong but she was so upset so frustrated she started going off on her little child i was just praying to allah ya allah don't let anybody see her because she might be in a lot of trouble and ya allah protect the child also but anyway you see the prophets of allah were soft hearted why because if they were not soft hearted they wouldn't be able to convey the message to people they wouldn't be able to bear patiently the difficulties that came their way because ordinary people what happens with them they get frustrated very quickly and they just give up and they go away imagine in makka the muslims were told don't retaliate don't retaliate neither through words nor through actions i mean who can control themselves so much someone who can always feel pity for the other so fala tabta is bima kanu yaf'alun messengers were very soft hearted because if they were not like that they wouldn't be able to convey the message wasna al fulka and build the ship isna sad nun ain sana it is to build to manufacture so build the ship bi ayunina under our eyes meaning our supervision allah's supervision wa wahyina and our inspiration revelation meaning according to the instructions that we tell you we give you make the ship under our supervision meaning we will protect you we're watching you we're making sure you're safe and we're making sure that you're doing it all right it's like if a person is making something for the first time what does he want that somebody is watching him and making sure that he is doing it right if he makes a mistake he is informed so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told nuh alayhi salam you make the ship we're watching you we'll make sure you do it right wa wahyina you don't know how to do it we'll tell you how to do it now what do we see here allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded nuh alayhi salam to build the ship after how many years 950 years of tabligh now you make something to protect yourself and don't worry about the people anymore and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said i will guide you i will teach you i will protect you allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he taught many of his prophets great skills so for example it is said that nuh alayhi salam was the first one to ever make a ship because of this word wa wahyina our inspiration allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired nuh alayhi salam he sent wahy teaching him how to make the ship because before that people had no concept of travel over water because remember this was only 10 generations after adam alayhi salam perhaps the people never needed to this was a very early community likewise we see about idris alayhi salam that he was the person who was taught how to write use the pen before that writing using the pen was unknown likewise dawud alayhi salam allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him how to use iron how to make different things from iron chain mail and different things armor before that people didn't know how to do this stuff sulaiman alayhi salam copper 
All of this is mentioned in the Qur'an. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught His prophets many things. Deen shari, ilmu shari, as well as ilmu al-kawni. Ilmu shari, the knowledge of the sharia, as to how they were to worship Allah, and also worldly knowledge that they needed in order to live a better life, in order to be more productive. Like for example, the prophets of Allah, we learn about them in Surah Al-Hadid, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them wahi bayinat, and also He sent down hadid. He also sent down iron. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also gave iron to people. And the prophets of Allah, they were one of the first men to use that iron in order to make things that were useful for people. So anyway, وَصْنَعِ الْفُلْكَ بِأَعْيُنِنَا وَوَحْيِنَا One more thing I want you to notice over here. Nuh alayhi salam worked for 950 years. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling him, you make the ship. Now make the ship. The ship was not sent from the sky. Could Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have done that? Of course. Kun, fayakun, simple. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Nuh alayhi salam, you have to make the ship yourself. You have to do the work yourself. Why? Why was he taught how to build it? Why was it important for Nuh to build the ship? Is there any difference between making something yourself and just receiving it? Is there any difference? What difference? Okay, you value it a lot more. What else? You know it inside and out. You know it, how it works, how it operates. Now imagine if the ship came down from the skies and Nuh was wondering, okay, where's the door? Okay, okay, this way. Okay, now how do you do this and how do you do that? And So many mistakes, so many errors. And even if he was taught, this is where the door is, this is how you operate the ship, this is how it's supposed to be worked. I mean, there would still be a little bit of confusion. So remember, when you make something yourself, even though it's very hard, it's always better. Because you know it better. It's like if you are doing an assignment and you look for the answers yourself as opposed to just copying off somebody's assignment quickly. Is there a difference? Yes. You've gone through the pages, you've read your notes, you've looked for the answers. You know your Jews inside out by them. You know the assignment questions even. And if you've just copy-pasted quickly, in five minutes, in ten minutes, how much do you know? Hardly. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Nuh alayhi salam, وَلَا تُخَاطِبْنِي فِي الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا Do not address me. تُخَاطِبْنِي فِي الْخِطَابِ To address. Do not address me concerning those people who have done zulm, meaning this nation of yours. In other words, don't make any plea, any request for these people that I should give them more time or I should not punish them because إِنَّهُمْ مُغْرَقُونَ Indeed, they shall be drowned. They will be drowned. They shall be punished because their time is up. So basically, Nuh was told, this is it. Now you make the ship and you worry about yourself and the people who have not believed, don't expect them to believe and don't even make any dua for them. Don't even make any dua for them because indeed they will be drowned. And Nuh he started working on making the ship. So he was building the ship. وَكُلَّمَا And each time, مَرَّ عَلَيْهِ مَلَأٌ The mala, the elite, the chiefs of the nation, they مَرَّ عَلَيْهِ They passed by him. مَرَّ From the root letters, مِمْ رَا رَا 
to pass by. So each time the chiefs of his people, they passed by him, min qawmi, from his nation, sakhiru minhu, they mocked at him. They're like, they made fun of him. Oh, you're a carpenter now. So you are trying to invent something. Yeah, you must be a genius. Before you said you were a prophet and now you're a carpenter. And what is this thing that you're making? Oh, it's supposed to float on water? Where's the water? So they mocked at him. And you know what? Many people who have a lot of potential in them, they're mocked at. Because what happens is that they're doing something that people are unfamiliar with. That nobody has done before them. It's a new thing. It's a new strategy. It's a new way. And people think that if it's new, it's different, it's not going to work. So they mock at them, they laugh at them. Has it ever happened with anybody, you're doing something different and people start making fun of you? Maybe you're cooking something in your house from a different cuisine that your family is not used to. And as you're preparing the food, people are like, seriously, this is what you're doing? Like for example, burgers. Typically, many people think that when you're making a burger, you have to put a lot of onion and garlic and ginger and lots of spices in them. And that is how you make them. And then you put a whole lot of things on them and that's how you eat them. But there is another way, which is that you don't put anything in the burger. All you put is just a little bit of salt and pepper. And then you flavor it with salad and with condiments and so on and so forth. Now, if you're used to having really spicy burgers and somebody offers you a plain burger which barely has enough salt and pepper, you're probably going to laugh at them like, seriously? You're going to give this to me? You're going to feed this to me, this bland food? I'm not sick. I'm not at the hospital. I need real food. But then they tell you, that no, no, try it. Use this on top, use this on top, use this with the burger and then have it. And then if you listen, they'll be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That was nice. So typically what happens, whenever we see something different, when we see someone doing something that's not the norm, we immediately look down on them. We think, you know what? Don't even bother, you're such a loser. You're always trying new things because you want to be different. And you think you're a genius. You're not a genius. Just do what everybody does. But if you think about it, all the people of the past who have done something great, even contemporary, who've done something great, did they do something that was different? Did they? Yes. Yes, they always did something that was different. They thought outside the box. But were they laughed at? Yes. Were they discouraged? Of course. They were discouraged a lot. But what happened? They stayed firm. They weren't affected by the ridicule. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them success. Original physicists and scientists like Galileo, Newton, and all of them, they were actually persecuted by the Catholic Church because it's like, wait, how is it possible that the earth is not the center of the universe? Like, it, they were prosecuted, they were, their works were destroyed, they were put in jail um, for all the new discoveries that they made. Even though they were Christian themselves, the church called them like maniacs, crazy, like, despite all the discoveries they made. Yes. Last week, a group of students from Indonesia came and visited our school for Outstanding Student Something project. And one of the students, they won like three different huge um, science competitions in the States. And the 
project was so interesting because when they were working on it in school uh, back in Indonesia, like nobody thought what he was doing. He's trying to make some sort of a new type of generator, and nobody thought that it would work. Nobody was believing in what he was trying to do. And and he's like 17 or 18, and he sold it to a company, and he won. I think he won a bronze and two silvers in a competition in the states. Something different, something new. Be creative. I remember the other day, there's this Facebook page called The Muslim Show, and they make cartoons on various topics. And they had a cartoon out, and it, w- it was showing a man, an old man, and he was making a masjid brick by brick, right, by himself with no help whatsoever. And they were, as each uh, scene grew, there were like more people gathering, what is this man doing? He's never going to be able to achieve that. And, you know, they were denouncing him. And at the end, he went to the top, and then he put the crest on the top, and then everyone was like, how did he achieve that? And the, another man came, and he's like, I'll tell you how he achieved that. He was deaf. He was actually deaf. So because he couldn't hear all of those insults and taunts and whatever, he achieved what the building the masjid. So it was like, I was pretty surprised when I read that. I was like, oh, okay, that makes yes, sense. Yes, and that's what you have to do. Become deaf to the criticism of others. Whatever they say to you, just ignore it and keep doing your work. Nuh is being mocked at over and over again. Kullama, notice the word, kullama, each time. Even with Al-Hutha, I remember when my mother, she decided that because there are courses, al courses that are designed for just one year in which students, they take the classes six days a week. So um, that was the initial plan, that one year, go through the entire Qur'an. And people were like, impossible. You're going to teach them the whole Qur'an in one year? So she said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And in the first year, alhamdulillah, about 50 or 60 people enrolled, if I'm not mistaken. And they all graduated. And people were like, oh, so it worked. But the criticism, and people saying that, we know how to teach Qur'an. And we know how people learn. You cannot do this in one year. It is not possible. But the thing is that if you strongly believe in something, do it. Don't have this fear of failure. Just do it. Doesn't work out? Doesn't work out. But if it works out, cool. Why should we be deprived of that just out of this fear? So, وَيَصْنَعُ الْفُلْكُ وَكُلَّمَا مَرَّ عَلَيْهِ مَلَأٌ مِّنْ قَوْمِهِ سَخِرُوا مِنْهُ قَالَ He said, إِن تَسْخَرُوا مِنَّا If you make fun of us, you laugh at us today, فَإِنَّا نَسْخَرُوا مِنْكُمْ Then one day, indeed we are going to make fun of you. كَمَا تَسْخَرُونَ Just as you make fun of us. Meaning, Let's see, time will tell. Let's see who will have the last laugh. A time will come when you will see your foolishness and we will get to laugh at you. This doesn't mean that the Prophet of Allah will actually laugh at the people who were being punished by Allah. This just means that we'll see who really is wrong over here. Whether I am wrong or you are wrong. We'll see who is really foolish. I am foolish or you're being foolish. فَسَوْفَ تَعْلَمُونَ Soon you will know مَنْ يَأْتِيهِ عَذَابٌ Who it is that will come to him. What will come to him? عَذَابٌ A punishment. يُخْزِيهِ That will humiliate him. Let's see who the punishment comes upon. The punishment that will humiliate him. وَيَحِلُّ عَلَيْهِ And it will descend on him. عَذَابٌ مُقِيمٌ An everlasting punishment. An enduring punishment. يَحِلُّ is from the root letters. حَلَامْ لَامْ حَلَّ يَحِلُّ is basically to untie the knot. To open something up. And basically it was used for a traveler when he reached his destination. What would he do? He would unpack his things. He would untie the knot and take all of his stuff out. And that basically meant, okay, now he's here. 
and now he's going to stay for some time. Because if you're just in transit, do you unpack? No, you don't. If you just stop for a few minutes somewhere, or maybe a couple of hours even, you don't take everything out of your car. But when you've reached your destination, and you're going to stay there for some time, then what do you do? You take everything out. So, يَحِلُّ عَلَيْهِ عَذَابٌ مُقِيمٌ Meaning, on whom will the enduring punishment descend? Let's see who's going to suffer now in this world. Then that suffering, that punishment will mark the beginning of an everlasting punishment. Because remember that any person, when he dies, that marks the beginning of his afterlife. If there is reward for him, his reward will begin from the moment of death onwards. And if there is punishment for him in the hereafter, that punishment begins from the moment of death onwards. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَلَا أَقُولُ لَكُمْ عِنْدِي خَزَائِنُ اللَّهِ وَلَا أَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبَ وَلَا أَقُولُ إِنِّي مَلَكٌ وَلَا أَقُولُ لِلَّذِينَ تَزْدَرِي أَعْيُنُكُمْ فَأْتِنَا بِمَا تَعِدُنَا إِن كُنْتَ مِنَ الصَّادِقِينَ قَالَ إِنَّمَا يَأْتِيكُمْ بِهِ اللَّهُ إِن شَاءَ وَمَا ملؤ 